0: So if you actually look at the use of the word calling, it's these very everyday, mundane, ordinary moments of life Mm -hmm. where God is inviting us into relationship with Him.
1: You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her.
2: Welcome to God Hears Her, I'm Erin
3: Eddy. And I'm Elisa Morgan. When was the last time you felt a disconnect between your faith and everyday life? (laughs) Yeah, do you ever wonder what your purpose is while washing the dishes or folding the laundry or going through the everyday
2: things that need to get done over and over and over again? Well, you're not alone. Today, we are talking to one of the God Hears Her producers about how God is present in our real, everyday, ordinary lives. Daniel Ryan Day is the author of What's Next? Your Dream Job God's Call and a Life That Sets You Free. He's also a content producer and writer for Reclaim Today and a co host for our Daily Breads Discover the Word podcast. Daniel holds a master's degree from Fuller Theological Seminary and is an ordained minister in the Anglican Church of North America. He is married to his high school sweetheart and has three kiddos. Wow. Daniel's learned a lot from his walk
3: with God that we're excited to hear more about on this episode of God
2: Hears Her. Okay, so this guest that we have today, Lisa, I remember my first interaction with him he emailed me about the god hears her podcast what and it was in regards (laughs) to setting us up on a date between you and and i I. he's a matchmaker he's a matchmaker (laughs) so that's what he's kind of always been in my mind and then i learned oh wait he's gonna help us produce this thing yeah he has seen it all yeah he has seen us tired
3: Mm
4: -hmm.
2: he has seen us resist vulnerability Oh, yeah, there's that. Oh. He's seen our relationship grow. Yeah. And I'm really excited to have you, Daniel, on our show. Thanks. (laughs) It's
0: been pretty fun to watch. I remember that day because we used to film recordings in the studio that we first recorded (laughs) in. And as a result, there was this little track... Oh. That had been placed right. to keep the chairs from getting in front of the That's cameras, right. <laughs>
3: especially mine because I always move around.
4: Yeah.
0: And and here we're in this interview, and Alisa basically grabs your chair. <laughs> And pulls you next to her <laughs> over the track so that the two of you could be next to each other.
3: That's right. And we have sat That's next right. to each other ever since. Yep. That's right. Did. Until COVID. Until COVID. And then
0: <laughs> we all sit in different places. What was yeah. your first
2: impression of us? Oh, of us? Let's talk uh, about us. Yeah, let's us. talk about what us. What do you think yes. about us? I know we're going to get into <laughs> talking about you for the whole show, but let's just go <laughs> ahead and air it all. What did you really think? Mm. <laughs>
0: well, I, you know, I would invite our listeners. You know, I'm not the only producer on the show now. We have Mary Jo as well. Yeah, um, but I was we the do. only producer for a little while mm-hmm. yeah, and right. people would ask me what is that like how are you as a guy <laughs> the only producer on a female driven podcast it is counterintuitive and that yeah. was yeah it was pretty, pretty fun. fun and um but but if people really want to know who you all are they can reach out to mary joe and i <laughs> just just contact us you know through the you'll god hears her website and we'll we'll tell them all the you'll truth tell the, you'll no tell it the was honest. it was fun you'll to watch <laughs> the, the two of you mm. People can meet and it can be awkward the whole time, Mm -hmm. and then people can meet and hate each other, Mm -hmm. and people can meet and fall in love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. And the two of you had a bond so early on; it was really fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah,
3: Daniel and I knew each other a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. How long did y'all know each other? A couple years. Yep. Because we we worked on Discover the Word, a different radio slash podcast program at our Daily Bread Ministries, co-hosting with two other folks and guests and stuff Mm -hmm. and so we'd gotten so my first time meeting you was when I picked you up at the airport and was trying to do a gig with him you want to come join us in this thing (laughs) so it's kind of funny and and then we we got to know each other that way for a a long time and then Daniel had this idea so but you know it, it, it begs the question now that we're talking about how you met us <laughs> how did you in your story how did yeah. you end up in a place where you might be selected to be the producer of mm. a women's podcast because yeah. there are significant yeah milestones you know along yeah, the way sure. to that
0: well you know for me i was actually in a conversation with someone the other day and she was sharing her story and mentioned that she grew up with five brothers mm. and as a result she looks back on that and realizes part of God's preparation for her and her job now, which is with all men, uh-huh. was growing up with five brothers. Yes. I grew up with three sisters. Ah. <laughs> and so I think part of the preparation uh, for not only yeah. this show, but even working on teams at Our Daily Bread that happen to be all women as well, yeah. uh, have Part of that comes from just growing up with three Mm -hmm. sisters. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of topics that some men would be really uncomfortable hearing about. And I heard them all growing up.
2: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That is so so accurate. I feel bad for my dad. (laughs) Yeah, because you're all girl family. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Daniel, tell everybody that's listening where did you come from? Mm -hmm. Where did you grow up? (laughs) Where are you from? Where where were these? Which is another podcast (laughs) we do here. Where are you from? Where are these three sisters at that you grew up in?
0: Yeah. So I grew up in North Carolina, in the mountains of North Carolina. Mm, People are probably surprised hearing that because people often say you don't have the accent to Mm. back up growing up in North Carolina. (laughs) I can pull it out if I need to. Mm I want
2: to hear it later on in this podcast. (laughs) That's right. I want to
0: hear the twang. Uh, But grew up in North Carolina, grew up in a a pretty great family for the most part. Christian home, Christian school, Christian church, tight Christian bubble. Mm. It's all I knew. But those country roots are still in me here. And I live in near Grand Rapids now. And we live in the countryside of mm-hmm. Grand Rapids because <laughs> I like getting out of the city and, and breathing some fresh air yeah. and um, animals and having animals. A lot of that. animals. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm from is North Carolina and been quite on a journey because we haven't always lived in North Carolina. We've lived in Colorado. Now we live here and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But that's where we started.
3: And you married really young.
0: Mm hmm. Married my high school, my Cuban high school sweetheart. Uh, Her family's Cuban. They moved up to North Carolina just for a few years. And we happened to meet in high school youth group. Mm. And... Uh, fell in love pretty quick, not right away, because she was in middle school when they moved here and I was in high school. You naughty boy. That would have been weird. <laughs> yeah. But she became <laughs> she became best friends with my sister, my oh. the oldest of my three younger sisters.
2: So many advantages to having sisters. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. <laughs> yeah, And um,
0: on. when they got to high school, I was talking to my youth pastor and he was like, have you noticed Rebecca? And she was my sister's friend, so I hadn't really paid too much attention. And then I noticed her oh. and pretty soon after that we were dating and then we got married halfway through college, uh, which was pretty cool. So,
3: And you've got several kids?
0: Three kids, mm-hmm. yeah, 12, 10, and eight. Yeah. So two boys and then a little girl. Oh, They're amazing. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's quite a journey. And, mm-hmm.
3: and your broadcasting career has yeah. been mm-hmm. varied along with other things that you do. Uh, you, you've got a lot of stuff on your, your plate, you know, yeah. so share a little bit about that and
0: Sure. Yeah. So much of, I think my story can be boiled down to growing up in a very tight Christian bubble, Mm -hmm. but then having experiences that made me realize that tight Christian bubble was not relating to the world in a way That made sense for the world that we live in. Mm. So what I mean by that is when I graduated high school, I ended up in Romania for three months working Mm. with an organization that basically put on these really cool summer camps for orphans that were in orphanages. So they would come out to this camp and we would do all the camp stuff. So activities and games and play music and talks and all that. In fact, I helped lead worship at this camp, and I can't remember much of the Romanian that I learned, (laughs) but I remember this kid's song very, very well it's yeah it's really it's a really deep spiritual song it basically that. says an ostrich an ostrich <laughs> a very big ostrich
4: I love it very and, deep spiritual
0: yeah, song so, the kids the kids love that song though and it was it was so much fun and so mm. as you can see it's still a part of me wow. but being in Romania and seeing kids that grew up as opposite for me yeah. as they could have right not only yeah. did they not have parents, not have a traditional home in the way that I thought it was supposed to be or what it looked like. Mm. But they also hadn't grown up in a Christian culture or a Christian with a Christian background. Mm. It was in Eastern Europe Mm. instead. Mm. And then not only that, but the brokenness that you see in orphanages with the, I remember at one point um, noticing probably like 12 or so locks on this door Mm. from the inside Mm. And I had looked at one of the translators and I was like, what are those locks? It's almost like a prison in here. And he said, actually, those are pretty important because all these young kids in this room, it's very common in these orphanages for older kids to break in at night and abuse the younger kids. And so these locks are there so they can protect themselves Mm -hmm. inside the orphanage. Like as an 18-year-old yeah. coming out of a Christian, tight Christian bubble that the worst mm-hmm. experience I had was forgetting my Bible right. when I went to youth <laughs> right. group, right. right? Going into mm-hmm. that, it just shattered my worldview in some ways and mm-hmm. seeing their true brokenness of the world. From mm-hmm. that point on, it was hard for me to be in a Christian bubble again, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Because yeah. I was like, this faith in Jesus, if it's real, it's got to impact how we interact with orphans—it's mm, got to make a yeah. difference in these bigger issues.
3: Hmm. So you grew up with Jesus, so to mm-hmm. speak, but this is a time of crossroads for you—a Yeah, a for time sure. of, of of applying differently and discovering and questioning and questioning, uh, and questioning lots of questions, yeah. which is risky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I—I I know other things about you, but maybe just kind of highlight the ten years sure. or so between.
0: There A little now. bit more, ten yeah. to fifteen
3: years between there and now. In mm. terms of, how, I think especially how your faith has been shaped.
0: Yeah, it's almost twenty years now, but we don't have it's to. It's really. That. I'm yeah. going to start counting better <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry about that. How no. young do you think he is? Um, with <laughs> is he yeah. Right yeah,
0: yeah. So that the highlights would be coming back, almost not coming back, but then oh, going wow. going to college mm-hmm. and. I ended up at a secular university, which was a good thing for mm-hmm. me because it forced me to see Christians in secular settings versus mm-hmm. my tight Christian bubble. Okay. Yeah. So ending up in classes with professors that pushed back on my traditional understandings mm-hmm. of how the world worked and that yeah was very good for me I remember a sociology class in particular Mm. where the representation of Christians that they put was a certain church in Kansas that Mm. talks about homosexuals as going to hell and I don't know if you remember all those signs that we see on the internet that are very very non-loving signs yeah that was the representation of Christianity that the professor gave and so I just remember being like what is this yeah you know Uh, And then graduating, um, there was a couple things I said I didn't want to do after school. One was I didn't want to finish with a degree in business (laughs) or work for my dad after school. So I did both. And um, so I did. Yep. So, yeah. And and it was important because Rebecca and I, she got pregnant with our first son after uh, at the end of school, and so it was time to mm-hmm. get a job and pay bills. Mm-hmm. And so it was good for me to step into that job. Mm-hmm. But so much of that job felt like just doing marketing stuff and stuff like that. I'm like, I feel like my faith should be, you know, that Romania experience mm-hmm. that I had is still in the back of my mind. How does this faith impact? Mm-hmm. Real life. Yeah. And I struggled to find that answer working at a hotel and a family entertainment center, which is like go karts and laser tag and stuff okay. like that. And so joined a ministry, mm-hmm. thought maybe that's where you find the answers to what's yeah. God's calling on your life. And a lot of
3: people do. That's yeah. a nonprofit ministry. Yep, uh-huh.
0: nonprofit Christian ministry. Mm-hmm. And that was good for a season, but my role there was doing content marketing mm-hmm. and feeling like. Okay, now the marketing just has a Christian label.
4: Right. But, but it's my still life's kind of not
0: really that different, right? right. Um, and so I started a, a blog project called 10 Days Without that later became my first book. And it was basically going 10 days without a necessity, like wearing shoes or using my legs or 10 days without speech, connected with a real issue in the world and then raising money to uh, help provide for people that had those very real world mm. experiences. And that was good, that was life giving. In There's many the integration ways. there
3: with yeah. your mm-hmm. faith and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: But it was yeah. still a pretty unsustainable yeah. way. Right. right? And it was a burden on my family to go ten days without legs. Hey Rebecca, I'm gonna do this <laughs> and I need you to drive me around for ten days, right? <laughs> so um, so it's still I
2: love you and you did that. Yeah. <laughs> like so we did. She need so to, so I need so <laughs> to no, I right. need to do that. Too. We need to go ahead and affirm that that actually did happen. Yeah, yeah. it did. <laughs> we can't um, breeze past that. Yep. Ten, that's amazing.
0: And so it was a beautiful, it was such a beautiful and good experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in fact, mm-hmm. so many things I learned in that experience as I interacted with what human trafficking looks like in the world. Mm-hmm. So hence, 10 days without speech yeah. to represent those who don't have a voice yeah. or who have a voice, but that it's not listened to. Yeah. 10 days without legs for those affected by disabilities that live in our world and yeah. who are often overlooked. Yeah. Ten days without furniture for those who live in homeless settings and don't have a home or don't have furniture. Each one of those experiences opened me up as I was doing research Mm. to what those real issues are in the world. But it was an Mm. unsustainable approach to making a difference in those. It was good. We raised some money, raised some awareness. Those are good things. And
3: it shaped you. And it shaped me big time. That's that's really what the point is right now. Yep. Uh,
0: Yeah. So that ministry job came to a painful end, Mm -hmm. a very painful end, very unexpected. And that threw me for a loop for a little while. And then I got a job as a producer of a nationally syndicated radio show because I had written a book. I had no production experience, (laughs) no radio experience other than doing interviews for the book and got that job. And I met so many amazing people during that experience uh, Mm -hmm. that it continued to again, just shape my worldview a little bit more. But I was still struggling with those questions of how does faith in real life, where do they meet? Mm, Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically, as it relates to my calling and my job in the Mm -hmm. world, what does a calling look like? What does a job look like? And ultimately, I ended up resigning from that position. But it opened up the door for another book, which was on calling, and vocation, and specifically how, in the scriptures, the picture of calling is very different than what we tend to talk about. Mm-hmm. We tend to talk about calling as if God's going to give you a specific assignment of something to do, mm-hmm. and that has happened in the yeah. Bible. Yeah, but the use of the word calling in the scriptures most often refers to callings like seeking justice, love mercy, walking humbly with God. Mm -hmm. So humility or giving thanks in all circumstances. So if you actually look at the use of the word calling, it's these very everyday, mundane, ordinary moments of life Mm -hmm. where God is inviting us into relationship with him. There are those moments where God shows up and says, Elijah, I have a job for Mm -hmm. you. Or Paul, I have a." with Saul I have a job for you but those are very rare in the Bible and the most common story even in the scriptures is of faithful everyday people walking with Jesus
2: when we come back Daniel Ryan Day will share with us about one of the most important lessons he's learned about what it looks like to make a difference in the lives of others that's coming up on God Hears Her If you're a fan of this podcast, sign up for our God Hears Her email newsletter and find even more inspiration and encouragement from women just like you. These weekly emails are filled with stories you can relate to and other fun goodies that will brighten up your walk with Jesus. Go to GodHearsHer.org and sign up today. That's GodHearsHer.org. Let's return back to our conversation with Daniel Ryan Day on this episode of God Hears Her.
3: So you're you're in this, again, metamorphosis, this mm-hmm. change, and we all are, yeah. you know, and, and I've always said that, well, now that I'm old, <laughs> I've always <laughs> said, you know, that the decade of the 20s and the 30s are the real transformational mm-hmm. decades mm-hmm. for us really being shaped from how we grew up, what we thought we were going to be, mm-hmm. who we thought we were going to be, into discovering the reality of yes. us. So, so as you continued this journey of understanding... Who is Daniel, yeah. and and why has God put you on this planet? What next turn yeah. did God take you in, and have you arrived yet at a place where <laughs> you you now sense His pleasure in mm. integrating your faith with your everyday? Or what's that like?
0: To so answer the arrived part, we don't arrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is part of what I guess I'm learning. It is a journey that continues. In fact, it's looking back at some of those experiences, even in 10 Days Without, where I thought I learned something about an issue. So for example, human trafficking, of course, led into conversations about abuse. And much later, even I was in seminary learning about women and specifically how uncommon it is for a woman who's been abused to share Mm -hmm. that she has been. And so statistically, it's like 98% of women that share that something happened to them. It's true. Yeah. And yet our default is not to believe it. Yeah. So a part of another one of those shaping stories for me, hmm. a few years later, uh, so I was working at this nationally syndicated radio show, beginning to process some of these calling pieces. My sister called hmm. and shared a story with me that she had experienced some things that I found to be unbelievable. Mm. And I remember in that just struggling so much to hear, truly hear her.
3: Yeah, Because you didn't think it was true?
0: I I didn't know how to process what she was saying yet because I hadn't had that class in seminary yet, but I had (laughs) had the experience of like dealing with what human trafficking, sex trafficking Mm -hmm. was looking like in the world.
3: And there's probably an element of disbelief. And there's element of disbelief. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. And all that. It mm-hmm. feels and, like a twilight zone
2: in mm-hmm. some ways that it mm-hmm. would happen to somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so close exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this particular story that doesn't have a good ending, this was my sister who right when she turned 18, she disappeared for mm-hmm. a few years. We had no idea where she went. She came back for a little season. In the middle of that, she shared some of that with us. Pretty soon after that, she left again and we haven't heard from her since.
1: Mm.
0: And one of my regrets that I live with, speaking of being on a journey, mm. is I wish I had listened differently mm. in that conversation. I don't, mm. I don't know that it would have necessarily changed her leaving again. Yeah. And it would be amazing if she was listening to this yeah. and could hear me say that Your I'm sorry regrets. for oh, not wow. hearing her wow. in the way that she needed to be heard. Because yeah. whatever happened to her, something probably did happen. Yeah. And I believe her now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully she'll hear this, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. hear that Heather, I believe you. Yeah. So that is how I would answer the journey question. We're still mm-hmm. on a journey. In my own story where that goes is I actually started seminary while I was at the radio show And ended up finishing a few years ago. But it was through that next book that I met you, Elisa, Mm -hmm. and met the Discover the Word team. And then from that point forward, the Lord just orchestrated my steps in such beautiful ways to lead Mm -hmm. me to here today. But the one place that I stopped in between, those two, was working for my dad again. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being one of the most rewarding experiences Mm -hmm. because it was the first time that I looked at that role in a quote-unquote secular job. Mm -hmm. As an opportunity to spend time with people. And of course, I can't talk about Jesus the whole time like mm-hmm. we can right now. Yeah. But in that setting, just being present in their lives. Yeah. And it was uh, right before I moved back to work for my dad, I had the opportunity to go uh, to Rwanda and mm-hmm. spend some time with some church leaders there. And one of the church leaders... Every week he spends his time walking the hills. He's a Mm -hmm. pastor there. And what he means by walking the hills is Rwanda is literally the land of a thousand hills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So He's literally walking hills Mm -hmm. and he's just Mm -hmm. visiting with people. Mm -hmm. So meeting needs, his sermons, all of that comes out of real relationship with people connected to that is a resource that since I'm the producer, I can say this. We'll have a link to the show notes. Um, He knows. uh, Is a a video called Live Godspeed. Mm -hmm. And it's this documentary about a pastor who's learning to spend more time out in the community with people Mm -hmm. than prepping even a sermon because it's with people that real ministry happens. Mm -hmm. With that, a friend of mine, his name's Dan, He and I were spending some time together and I asked him, what does success look like in this context? And he talked about how hard that is to define because Mm -hmm. especially in American culture, success is connected to numbers. And mm -hmm. in Rwanda, ministry was really slow. And Mm -hmm. so how do you tell all the people that are sending money to support you that their money is being spent well Mm -hmm. when you don't have these big numbers? And the Lord helped redefine for him, Dan, success for you is faithfulness Mm -hmm. to walk with me. And to have eyes to see and ears to hear whatever I have yeah. for you to do today. So when I got back to my dad's business, I realized for the first time that I am in a parish. I'm in a group of people mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm surrounded by people that mm-hmm. I see every day that I have the opportunity to talk with and spend time with and i've had more spiritual hard questions that came out of that time mm-hmm. with people that weren't in a church yeah than i've ever had in your every day yep and in it your was in every day that's
2: amazing and that's what i mm-hmm. i loved when you were talking about defining what calling is because i think that it's easy to misinterpret it as career
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah
2: but it's ever-changing. Like, your career has ever changed.
0: Oh, yeah, it has. You know? <laughs> Re- Rebecca would be agreeing with you 100% in life. <laughs> I mean, it's taken every pivot, right? Yeah. And
2: so if your calling was wrapped up in your first career mm-hmm. opportunity, yeah. you would feel like you were purposeless or had yep. no calling anymore over your life. Would you speak on that a little bit more about calling and purpose and how that is integrated into the everyday versus mm-hmm. what we like to slot it for, yeah, like a shingle or a, yeah. a, a
3: yeah. resume. or. Uh-huh.
0: So I would say that my answer to that has even changed since writing the book, of course, yeah. Lisa, mm-hmm. right? That's Absolutely. how it happens. You, you write a book so that you can change your mind. Next?
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the second book's for <laughs> it, right? Right, right. Aaron? Yeah. I keep telling myself. <laughs> uh,
0: I would say that's changed recently just because I have been so overwhelmed by the first chapter of the Bible mm-hmm. and specifically mm-hmm. what happens when God creates men and women. Mm -hmm. He creates them in the garden. It's the first time that he says something is very good. Mm -hmm. And he places them in the garden as his Mm co-stewards to work with him in caring Mm -hmm. for creation. So not only does he say that we are very good at the beginning of time before Mm -hmm. sin comes in and does break some things, Mm He says we're very good, but then his invitation is for us to be his image bearers. And yeah. as an image bearer, as a representative of the king, we are co-workers with him. Mm. In ancient cultures, the most common explanation of why humans existed was to be slaves of the gods, mm. to do all the things the gods didn't want to do, to be their servants. In the biblical story, we get a picture of being co-laborers with God. We're not his servants. We're not his slaves. We're in relationship with him, invited Mm -hmm. into everything that we do, being a part of this relationship with him. And so I think first and foremost, above anything else, that is our purpose. That's our identity. That's our calling. It's all right there at the end of Genesis chapter one. Mm. We are so, we are God's very good creations, who he wants to be in relationship with, Mm. who he is empowered to be his ambassadors and representatives in Mm. the world. Mm. And that includes anything that we do, whether we're in a conversation like we are right now, or whether we're at a coffee shop or whether we're in any type of job,
2: yeah,
0: whether we're in school, Regardless of what we're doing at the grocery store, whatever, truly every single one of those spaces Mm. is a sacred space where God is not only inviting us into deep relationship with him, but hopefully we have eyes to see and ears to hear how we are his ambassadors in those places Mm. um, as very good creations. And that's our calling.
3: It's almost as if we've gotten it upside down, Mm -hmm. that we're always looking for this slot to fit in, this Mm -hmm. corner office, this career, this place to make a difference. Mm -hmm. When the reality is, it is within the context of our creation Mm-hmm. of our relationships, that we make the biggest difference. Yep. And we yeah. think to ourselves, well, we diminish that and, and think we're just going to tread water, if you will, until we yeah. get to the big thing. Mm-hmm. But what the Lord's doing is shaping you to understand that this is the thing that really matters. Right. I remember reading a book, and the title says it all. It's called Everything belongs.
4: <laughs>
3: and it, it's so true. It, you know, we, we are always going, well, that's not important, or that's not important, or this isn't mm-hmm. important. The, all these things that we're enmeshed in, that we live in, whether it's doing the wash, or whether it's, you know, mowing the lawn, or whether it's carpooling, or whether it's making a cup of coffee, or whatever, we always think, well, those don't count. The big mm-hmm. stuff is giving a talk, or going to seminary, or mm-hmm. having a podcast, or writing a book, or, mm-hmm. you know, having a child. Or And what I'm hearing is your discovery of people, mm-hmm. of relationships yeah. and just that the true collateral of yeah. life, doing mm-hmm. life together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting because we talk about the books, we talk about the speeches and all those things that we mm-hmm. put so much weight in. But in reality, those are what Ecclesiastes calls hevel. Mm-hmm. It's passing, it's fleeting, it's like smoke in the wind that yeah. moves, it's like a cloud. And I've thought of that as a pastor in my sermons that I will like pour my heart into at times won't be remembered. Most of what I Mm -hmm. say is not going to be remembered, but what will be remembered is the relationships that I have.
1: And And I've
0: realized that even uh, one of my roles at our daily bread is not only in podcasting, but in a part of our ministry effort for those in their twenties and thirties called reclaim today. And I think about this all the time because I write a lot for that ministry effort, but the true ministry happens in the relationship that I build with my team here. yeah that's actually where it yeah. starts and where yeah. the majority of it happens. Everything that we write and publish or whatever is an overflow out of our first ministry context yeah. whether if you have a family, first ministry context. Yeah. if you have a church community, That's your first ministry context. If you have a a job and you're surrounded by people, that's your ministry context. If you're in school, that's your ministry context. That's where the ministry context happens. That's where the relationships happen. And out of that overflow, maybe we write something that sticks or maybe we say something that someone remembers. But most likely, it's going to be the relationship that actually makes a difference in someone's life.
3: So help us, you know, and and all of us who are listening, Mm -hmm. how do we embrace this it's not a formula. It, it's no, it's, it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. how do we practice this understanding mm-hmm. of the value of the ordinary, of the
0: everyday?
3: Mm-hmm. How do we grow in that?
0: I think it starts in a really uncomfortable place.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, never, um, mind. never <laughs> mind. I didn't know. That, <laughs> I, I thought <laughs> he was going to tell us
2: something that felt the... <laughs> back, back up that question. Yeah. <laughs> I think
0: it starts with the realization that God is at work mm-hmm. and God is going to accomplish his work. Yeah. Regardless of what role we play in it, yeah. So for us, where it actually begins is in quiet solitude time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be like fancy prayer or anything like that.
3: Four in the morning. Four in the morning, yeah. anything.
0: But it, it is amazing how how much time Jesus spent going alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just spending time with the Father. For us, that is we cannot underestimate that. Just getting alone and being quiet with God and realizing that he is accomplishing his work, his very good work in the world. He invites me into it. And I have a role to play as a result of Mm -hmm. that, but he's accomplishing that work. And so I can feel free to say yes to things and I can feel free to say no to things. I think that's where it starts is in that relational piece. I think the second part of it is realizing, and um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Acts chapter 17 And it's verse 28 that says, in Him, we live and move and have our being. At our core, that is our calling of what it looks like. In Him, we live and move and have our being. It's kind of an abstract idea, but it's the idea that you're walking in relationship with God in such a way that you have eyes to see and ears to hear Mm -hmm. what He would have for you to do each day. I think that's where it starts. And if you truly hear those words, if I truly hear those words, then... All of a sudden, the mundane truly has meaning. The ordinary yeah. all of a sudden has meaning. Mm-hmm. Because then when I do dishes, which I hate to do, and one of my pet peeves is when I'm almost done and someone puts one more thing in the <laughs> sink.
2: <laughs> or <laughs> spreadsheets. Or weather. Yeah, or spreadsheets. Well, I hate those. <laughs>
0: or email, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, or, absolutely. I mean, even recording gets mundane sometimes. Yeah. Let's be real, right? Yeah. Even in those mundane moments, we can realize that God has us where he wants us to be. Yeah. He can give us eyes to see and ears to hear through his spirit. We can follow where he leads. And then all of a sudden the mundane has meaning, the ordinary has meaning. And I, I really do think those are some of the simple places that it starts. Yeah. It's just uncomfortable because we want to be more important than that. Right? Yeah.
3: right. And we
2: want to make it harder. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, even, it in, even in quiet time, mm-hmm. I think sometimes... The temptation is to work for quiet time Yep. Mm-hmm. instead of be still and just mm-hmm. present in yeah. what the Lord wants to speak over you, yeah. that you have to perform and work.
0: You know, we think of like quiet time uh-huh. as a certain amount of time. Yeah, 30 right. minutes, whatever. 4 hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Right. And it, at <laughs> right. a certain time of day, mm, in yeah. the morning. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, it has right. to be in the morning yeah. to be real or whatever. But when God begins to shape us to see all of these invitations in the every moment mm-hmm. to connect with him. Yeah. Suddenly space, we find it in different times of the day mm-hmm. or even just the minute before we start a recording praying or the minute before yeah. we walk into a meeting, taking a moment and saying, you know, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm prepared for this conversation. Will you walk yeah. with me into mm-hmm. this meeting yeah. or whatever? In fact, one of the things we do with Reclaim Today is we write prayers specifically for these everyday moments. And mm-hmm. so we've written prayers for like when your kids are at school, and which was one of my favorites because our, our kids go to a co-op on Wednesdays and I've I'm typically the one that drops them off and picks them up. And it was just this like, Lord, what do I want Mm -hmm. you to do with them while they're away from me? Mm -hmm. What does it look like for them to be prepared in this setting to know your voice and to follow where you lead and to be able to, again, begin to pray that? Or one of the things I'm sure, Aaron, you would connect with, because I do is our generation is very focused on like social justice things. Yeah. One of the prayers we wrote was a prayer for social justice burnout mm. because that's something uh. that we can get overwhelmed by sure. the number of different things we could try. Yes. Hence 10 days without, right? right. Yes. Unsustainable. Right. <laughs> um, and so what is a prayer for us when right. we want to make a difference in the world, but we are starting to grow tired and weary of doing good. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And so here's a prayer for that. Or here's a prayer for going into a meeting with your boss that you're nervous about. Or here's a prayer for Whatever. And I brought one with me that we could pray.
3: I'd love for you to read it.
0: This is a prayer for today. Mm. And I hope that as we've been talking, the invitation Mm -hmm. is for all of us to think about those everyday moments and to think about how God meets us in those. In fact, just a quick outline of how I write many of these. I start with what is the characteristic of God Mm -hmm. that he meets me in this thing? So let's say I'm feeling lonely What is a prayer for loneliness? Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus, his name means Emmanuel, God with us. So let's start there with the truth. Even if I don't feel the truth right now, let's start with the truth. I'm praying to Emmanuel, God with us, Mm -hmm. and then begin to pour out my heart to God. So this prayer is a prayer for today, and it begins with who God is and why today exists. It says, Creator God, who took what was formless and void, and gave it shape and meaning. The one who filled emptiness with beauty and gave all creatures their purpose. That includes
4: us. Mm -hmm.
0: Reclaim today in these small, seemingly insignificant moments. Help me discover meaning in the mundane. Ordain the very ordinariness of these tasks or my current lack of them. For your glory, the good of the world, and my good. Amen.
3: What a lovely prayer for us to close with. When we think about time with God, we think that we need to hide away and create a quiet space. But thanks to Daniel, we learn that we can spend time with God all day throughout
2: the day. Yes, what a new way to think about our relationship with God. Before we close out today's episode of God Hears Her, we want to remind you that the show notes are available in the podcast description. The show notes not only contain the talking points for today's episode, but they also have links to connect with Elisa and me on social and a link to check out Reclaim Today on Instagram. You can visit our website at GodHearsHer.org. That's GodHearsHer.org. Thanks for
3: joining us. And don't forget, God hears you. He sees you. And he loves you because you are his.
2: Today's episode was engineered by Ann Stevens and produced by Mary Jo Clark, Daniel Ryan Day, and Jade Gustafson. Today, we also want to recognize Rebecca and Candace. Thank you.
3: God Hears Her is a production of Our Daily Bread Ministries.